Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for having listened to this podcast episode. We're so excited for this particular episode because we've really fallen in love with the the person that we're interviewing, her mindset, her perspectives on um, birth and parenting, and so much more. So really, really excited about that. Taz is going to tell us a little bit more about that. Um, but we've got some incredible goals for this podcast, and we've got some awesome episodes coming up. So please stay tuned, subscribe, so you don't miss any future episodes. And then as a past sound engineer, I just want to apologize up front. The sound quality isn't what it should be. There was a fan in the room. We didn't realize it was blowing right onto the mic every now and then. So what I've had to do is just edit it. So we reduce that noise. But uh, overall, it's not bad, but it's not what it should be. So future episodes will definitely be better sound quality. But uh, we hope you enjoy. In saying that, if you hear the, if you heard the... Um original original thanks original <laughs> you would know that like what you're hearing is absolute gold chad really worked his magic so i'm very very grateful and just so that you know we had to have a fan in the room it's it's summer in south africa it's like basically 79 degrees i'm not exaggerating she's exaggerating it was about 30 i never exaggerate <laughs> anyway back to our podcast so who we are chatting with today is a lady by the name of sharon marseille she has over 30 years as a midwife so she has a ton of experience and chad said amazing perspective as well and she's also a breastfeeding consultant and the reason why we wanted to chat with her is just because we resonate with how differently she thinks as well as the the kind of perspective as well as questions she asks in order to help guide and empower a couple along their journey, their pregnancy journey, as well as um, prepare for anything really in terms of complications, you name it. And yeah, if you're wanting more information, please can you uh, have a look at our description notes or our podcast description notes just so that you can click on her website and just check her out and get some more information. So over to the podcast. So from from my side of mm. um, not having known what any like of this, <laughs> what any of this means before, sort of being yeah. interested in childhood or not childhood, having a child and stuff. Childbirth. Yeah. And mm-hmm. So what is a midwife for somebody who was like me, mm-hmm. and how are they important in the role of from right to the from the start right to the birth and beyond? Okay, so that's a fabulous question. Yeah. And the importance of that question is, of course, everybody has to ask it and nobody knows. Yeah. So let's look at the difference between an obstetrician, a gynecologist, Mm -hmm. a midwife, and a doula. Mm -hmm. So an obstetrician in Europe is a specialist doctor who specializes in the diseases of pregnancy. A gynecologist is a doctor who's specializing in the diseases of the female reproductive system. In South Africa, they are both together. They, if you're one, you're usually the other as well. A midwife is a professional who specializes in normal pregnancy because normal pregnancy is not a disease. Mm. It's not diseased people. Ooh, you mentioned COVID again. It's not diseased people who fall pregnant easily and naturally. Pregnancy is a physiological condition. It is something that happens to healthy people. You have to be at your healthiest in order to fall pregnant and to maintain a healthy pregnancy. And what does a regular woman need to know when she's pregnant? She needs to be able to talk about her sore back and her sore feet And what should she eat? And what should she not eat? And what about these supplements? Should she take the synthetic form or should she take a natural form of supplement? What about the D3? What about the K2? What about how much calcium should she be consuming? She wants to know the answer to those questions. But a doctor, and particularly we need to look at the difference between South Africa and Europe, because in South Africa the great majority of women who have medical aids are sent to an obstetrician routinely because they're pregnant. And an obstetrician in South Africa is inundated with healthy women. But it's not his role. His role should be focusing on those people with diseases, 
the diabetic mums, the mums with high blood pressure, those people who are going to be complicated. These got enough people to be looking at all day from a complicated point of view. In Europe, if you are a pregnant woman, you're sent to a midwife. And if you get a disease in your pregnancy, then you are sent or referred by your midwife to an obstetrician. So in South Africa, then, we've got all these obstetricians seeing healthy women. And their surgeries, their clinics, are crammed with healthy people and they want to get through the day. So they give you approximately 15 minutes per consultation and she feels guilty, first of all, about wasting his time or blocking somebody else's time because she's been sitting in the waiting room for two hours herself. And so she doesn't want to ask questions that are very important to women. So if we look at the research, it tells us that the most common points that a woman needs to have covered when she's pregnant is information. She needs to be able to talk. She needs, if this is the first time, if it's her first pregnancy, um, that she's going to be dealing with somebody growing inside her body. And that is the biggest thing that could ever happen, couldn't, isn't it? Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you're participating in a miracle. And it's not just affecting you physically. You don't want to just pop in and say, oh, well, you're anemic, here's iron. Or you're growing a placenta, you need calcium. You know, we don't want to just put women all in the same basket and, and label them with the same labels. We want to be able to see, be seen as individuals when we're pregnant. And that means we need to be able to look at this particular woman, at this particular gestation. And we need to look at her relationship and we need to look at her fears and her strengths and how she plans. She plans to give birth, not to be delivered. Yeah. I hate that term. <laughs> but to give birth. We don't deliver babies. We deliver pizza. But we give birth to our children. And when a woman is able to look at the physical side of her pregnancy and the spiritual side of her pregnancy, and again, it's a huge challenge in the modern world because although many people have been brought up with religion, many people have also turned away from religion, but they're still spiritually seeking. Yeah. And now for the first time, they need to consider that they're going to be responsible for somebody else's whole belief system. And if they have turned away from it or they've asked questions of it in their own past, they need, they need to reevaluate. Mm -hmm. And so to me, pregnancy is all about reevaluation. Mm -hmm. How do I eat? How do I exercise? What do I believe about sickness and health? What do I know about health? What am I going to be telling my children about how to take care of themselves? Should they be going to a gym? Should they be eating well? Does it matter what they eat? Should we all be watching three different televisions in three different rooms and never have a conversation again? Should we all be eating different meals? You can have Chinese, I'll have Indian, and you have some sort of burger thing. And we never have to eat together or even speak to each other. Mm. It's a very interesting time that we're living in. And if we are going to be looking at the physical, the mental side of being pregnant and giving birth, the spiritual side of being pregnant and giving birth, and the emotional. If you are, one of you is going to turn into a mother and the other one's going to turn into a father, and you need to now evaluate that. Who was my mother? Who was my father? What did they teach me? Am I going to be exactly like them? Or do I want to now stop and consider what sort of parent do I want to be and how am I going to achieve that? That's what a midwife does. So a midwife then not only looks at preparation for becoming pregnant, but leads a person all the way through a healthy pregnancy and brings them to their optimal health, um, guides them through the birth of their child, and then comes to see them for... I come and see you every day for the first week after the baby's born, everybody says something different. But we are there for the first six weeks. Um, in total, that's the puperium. That's the time that you need physically to recover from being pregnant. 
and that's the end of your pregnancy, six weeks after the baby's born. So we are there in your lives. And if you come to my particular world, um, I'm there I'm dealing with somebody at the moment and her 18-year-old child <laughs> that she birthed through me. Um, my husband then teaches them to drive. So right. they come on a Wednesday, weigh the babies, ask questions, borrow books, have tea, socialise with each other, and I believe in each one teaching one. So, question, do you... The, yeah, the question. I do, me, yeah, over here. Yeah. Um, do all midwives then stay on afterwards and do classes, or is it just you? No, each midwife works in her own particular way. So if you okay. consider how we're trained, mm. um, at the moment in South Africa, um, each midwife has a background in nursing. Mm. So you have a nursing degree or a nursing diploma, and then you go on to specialise in midwifery. Um, it's only in Europe at the moment that they have a direct entry into midwifery. We don't have it here yet. Um, which means that she's already on her second degree or diploma. Um, and so she's worked through the hospital system. And in South Africa, she's worked through the government system, first of all. Or, I think you can just go directly into private uh, and be taught through net care or, you know, one of those um, facilities. Yeah. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, and, and then, so you see what doesn't work very often or how women are made to feel when they're pregnant and when they're at their most powerful point in their entire lives and how they are suppressed or bullied or want to change the world and make it better and so we all then change the world in our own way and make it better according to I think um, our own experience. That's beautiful I think it's amazing I mean even if it's still very medically based it still has its own beauty on how to actually empower women. Yeah, because the difference is education. Yes. A doctor is not an educator. A doctor is a scientist. Mm. He's looking for signs and symptoms that he can match with a cure. A midwife is somebody who sees that you are a healthy, normal person and you've got a lot of questions that need answering. So do you think that there are a shortage of midwives or even doulas in South Africa oh, or the world? Oh, we didn't cover what is a doula. A doula, oh, yes, we didn't. <laughs> yes. So a doula then is normally a woman, in my world, a doula, my doulas come through my mums. So it is a woman who very often has had a, a good birthing experience and then wants to go and change the world for other mums. Mm. So she's not medically responsible in any way. So a midwife is medically responsible and needs to have an indemnity insurance. A doctor is the same, is medically responsible for that particular client or patient, whatever you want to call her. I don't call her a patient because she's not sick. <laughs> um, whereas a doula is somebody who she might be looking at aromatherapy or massage or something and she just wants to be there to hold the hand. And to be there for the husband or wherever she needs to be, really. Well, my doula works in a particular way in that if you Google doula, um, the advert will say that she is somebody who's going to come and support you emotionally through the birth of your baby. But in my world, that should be your partner. <laughs> in my world, if you have a good relationship with your partner, and not everybody does, this is a life-changing event for both of you that you both want to experience. And it's a changing event in that it is changing you for the first time from being a daughter, a sister, a partner, a, a wife, into being somebody's mother and to be somebody's father. And that's the most important job you'll ever have in your life. And it doesn't matter what you're your career is, this is the most important job you'll ever have. And when you get to the other side, the guy is not going to ask you, you know, did you reach those targets? Mm. I said, he's going to say, those children I sent you, are they good people? Did you do a good job? 
and uh, and so I believe, and the more we look at it scientifically, we can see the role of the dad in the labor process is the oxytocin provider. We know so much about oxytocin, and oxytocin is your love hormone. You only produce it when the two of you are together, and that's why the medical model of childbirth doesn't work. That if you go into a hospital as a healthy young woman, you go in and you smell and you see the lights and you see the narrow bed that's pointing towards the open door and it's a public room and they take your clothes off and they put you into a hospital gown. And that is the uniform of the hospital. So now you're going to conform in our uniform and you're going to do what I tell you to. You're going to sit on this narrow bed. You're not going to move because you're going to disturb the machine if you do. And under normal circumstances, oxytocin is not going to be generated in such an environment. You're just producing adrenaline. Adrenaline is the hormone that's going to be flooding through your system when you have to fight and flight. And in that situation, the blood is pumping to your legs so you can get out of here. That means the blood is not pumping to your uterus. That means your cervix is not opening. So you are performing sexually in a public cold room with people coming in and out of the door telling you, you've got 15 minutes, I'm going to give you an hour, you've got to do something here, or I'm coming to make a difference. So you will. That is not going to produce oxytocin. So if we are producing oxytocin naturally, it comes from your relationship. It comes from when your man looks into your face and tells you what a fantastic woman you are Mm -hmm. and how powerful he believes you are and that he has faith in you and that you can do this. Mm -hmm. And when you are like that and he's holding your hand and he's got his hand on your head and he's telling you you're just fabulous, then you feel like a powerful woman and you're going to change the world. Mm -hmm. So for a doula to come in and say, Oh, Tess, you look so lovely. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense to me. So my doula then... I apologize to all doulas uh, watching this. Uh, my doula is there to support the dad so that he will shine in the eyes of the mum. So that when she looks back on her memories of the day of the birth of her child, she will remember, and he was so wonderful. He stroked my hair and he rubbed my back and he brought me something to eat and he held the bucket while I threw up into it. And you're going to have good memories together. And you're going to be sharing that anniversary with each other. And not phoning your doula every year. Just like, oh, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Tying my hair up. So my doula then is behind you. And she's giving you signals. You know, it's not that she has something to eat here with the coconut water. Do I go with the coconut water? Maybe she wants her hair tied up. You know, maybe she needs a cold cloth on the back of her neck. So that you're only looking up thinking, my God, he was amazing. (laughs) But do you think there's a shortage in in the world or is it just South Africa that, oh, I don't know, I'm big minds of both. Of course this is an entire birthing team. Yes, yes. And that's the beauty of it, that we're not trying to outdo each other. Mm. We work beautifully, hand in hand. We are a team yeah. that are all pulling on oars in order to, you, to, to get to where you need to be. That yes, a midwife is not going to work without an obstetrician. An obstetrician can work without a midwife, but not in the same way. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that when we have got a good team together, then it is... An honor, privilege for doulas to work in a way that they can witness good birth Mm. and empowering women. But it takes enormous courage for that kind of doula to take a back seat and to perhaps not even be remembered. I've heard it a before. special kind of person. Yeah. I've heard yeah. it before where doulas and, and midwives for that matter is just to fill in the gap that needs to be filled, but to also just empower well, I don't somebody know else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that medically or going very natural, whether it's cesarean or whether natural birth, I think it's just, it depends on the kind of, the 
kind of experience that you're wanting to have as a mom and what you're wanting to remember. And I think that's that's different for everyone. It all comes down what our mothers have told us about birth, doesn't mm. it? So true. You know, until my generation, our mothers told us, you're a woman, get on a baby, get on with it. <laughs> you know, and we did. And we fought in order not to be contained and not to be lying down and not to be starved and not to be given ice chips and not to have our perineums shaved and not to be given enemas. And we did all that fighting. If you look at Ina May Gaskin's spiritual midwifery or her guide to childbirth and you look at previous generations misconceptions immaculate deception all of those books about how we fought like blooming hell so that you could be educated properly so you wouldn't have to do this this fighting and now along you come this generation of oh thank you doctor yes i love this white gown and what do you want me to do now? Want me to sit here? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it does depend on what our mothers tell us. If you consider this generation of children being born, they're going to be told in South Africa between 80 and 90% of women who have a medical aid are giving birth via cesarean section. And that means that 80 to 90% of the next generation are going to be told by their mothers, when you're pregnant, just go and see your doctor and he'll give you a date and he'll just cut that baby out of your body. And if you're not born with oxytocin, these, this generation is not going to be born with oxytocin. There's no oxytocin unless it's coming in a drip form via the, the cesarean section. Um, and that's the difference between a midwife conducted birth and a obstetric condu- conducted birth is speed. Um, and so if oxytocin is coming in a drip form, then these children are born without oxytocin. That means a whole generation of children born into a world without love. And that is something we need to stop and think about. Because if you are told that you're not able to give birth to this baby... How do you know you're going to be able to feed that child? If your body couldn't work effectively to birth that child, how do you know you're going to be able to feed it? And so what is the incidence of breastfeeding now? What happens to that? What are the numbers? It's very small. And then we've got an underpowered generation of women. How do you know you can mother that child? How do you know you can manage in the, in the state of first aid? You know, if your child falls out of a tree, do you know you can birth that child, you can feed that child, you can raise that child? You can fix it. <laughs> in a generation of, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so Take true. him to another doctor to fix him in another way. <laughs> so the next question I wanted to ask was, what is the most rewarding aspect of your job, but also what is the most challenging part of your job? Oh, people. <laughs> both. Yeah. Both answers. <laughs> so when you have a girl coming in, she knows there's something more. Maybe her mum has brought her up to believe that she is a woman and that she's going to give birth. Or maybe she has some understanding of the fact that this is a sexual expression. That when you're making a baby, you're not needing a doctor in the room you know some people do some people need to have in vitro fertilization but the majority of women don't some women need to have help with their periods but most women don't Mm -hmm. and in this situation some women need to have help when they're pregnant but most women don't and um what was the question what is the most rewarding and challenging part of your job right (laughs) so when you have this woman coming in and she knows that there's something she wants to experience and we have the chat and I bring her to her optimal health and we look at what she can eat and what she should avoid and what kind of exercise should she need because again in this generation it's staggering because you know we have all this access to information and then again you're told well just sit down when you're pregnant don't exert yourself when you're pregnant you know, take it easy when you're pregnant. You're pregnant. 
And then on the Labour Day, you've got to climb Mount Everest. And then they realise, well, I'm so tired. <laughs> so, when you can take somebody through and develop their relationship also, if they, like my mum's do a lot of journaling, my dad's do a lot of journaling too, well, they have to ask themselves, what is it that they want to achieve? How are they going to create this family? That's what birth is all about. You're now making your unique family. You've had direction and education and influence from your own family, your own siblings, your own parents. And now you need to consider what are our standards for our family and how we're going to include these extendables so they don't make the same mistakes as they made with me um, with my own children. And how do I warn them as to this is our belief system and this is how we want to raise the children and this is what we believe about um, health and nutrition that we're not going to be eating ice cream all day and we won't be having sweeties. We're going to have a cheat day on a Friday. We're allowed sweeties and the rest of the time we're going to eat well. And if you are exploring all of that and then you birth that baby, it doesn't matter if you birth that baby vaginally or if you've had to have a complication and you needed to have a cesarean section, you come out changed and you're going to come out changed whether you planned it or not. But if you can see that change is coming and you prepare yourself for change, then when change arrives, you're not, <laughs> you're not surprised. It's funny because one of the things that I hear often is, particularly from dads, is I'm tired. I had to get up last night to feed that child or to change that child's <laughs> bum. What do you mean I've got to do it again tomorrow? <laughs> you know, so if you are considering how a 3.2 or a 3.5 person, what are their needs and your imagining? And how long do you think those needs are going to be at that particular point before they change? And what is your responsibility then to that person? And how are you both going to be pulling on your oars? Because if you can see yourself, the family develops and the two of you are in this little tiny rowing boat, if there's only one of you pulling on her oar, like a crazy loony, and the other one's sitting with his feet up, you're just going round in circles. But if you're both pulling on your oars, then you are going places, and you're going places fast, and you're going places together. So when you can have a whole family emerge from such an experience to me that's what birth is all about um, and they can come out stronger and they feel confident in themselves and in each other and you have developed um, a positive relationship and that's the reward and what is the challenge the challenge is getting them to the point I'm sure <laughs> Exactly. Some people you've got to take by the hair and you've got to drag themselves through it. So, yes, I mean, they can be even more rewarding when, you know, they arrive kicking and shouting and then they turn out to be really great parents and have really lovely families. I love that it's not just about the birthing experience. It's a, the entire thing mm. all together. That's the wrong thing to focus on, don't you think? Yes. Is the birth. And again, that's the medical model. Mm. It's okay, so you're going to have a baby in June. What day do you want to yeah. give birth? And I can give you a time as well. You want morning or afternoon? Mm. And then we boil it down to that. And then you don't have to think of another aspect of what this means to me. You can book it into your work calendar, take the week off, get back to work, couple of months for your maternity leave. And then you think, well, I'm, my world is going to go back. When my maternity leave is over... I'm going to go back to be who I was before. And that's hysterical as well. Because if you've got a child at home, your mind is not on your work in the same way. Your mind is on who's looking after that child. Are they okay? Are who's they looking after that child? Did they eat? Eating their lunch. Yeah. Did they sleep okay? Did they cut yeah. the sandwich in the right shape? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I, I have a lot of questions, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to ask the next um, question? I think we've sort of covered this kind of a little bit now but we've also covered it in our previous chats of mm. 
um, when working with a, a midwife, obviously things can change and you can plan natural but end up going Caesar. Um, so, I mean, the, the question but is... You have to change the word. Yeah. Because, again, South Africans talk about natural birth mm-hmm. or cesarean section, and that's rubbish as well. Okay. We're not talking about natural. Natural to me is not natural to most people who are coming out of yeah. any hospital situation. So we're talking about vaginal birth compared with cesarean section. Okay. So you can have a vaginal birth with complications. You can have a kiwi extraction or vontus or you can have an episiotomy. You can be induced. You can be augmented. You can be in lithotomy. You can have that child mm. taken from your body vaginally. That was a vaginal birth. Yeah. A natural birth is when you go into labor spontaneously. Your labor accelerates spontaneously without anybody interfering whatsoever. You do it in your own time, in your own way, in your own clothes, with your own food, uh, in your own position that is comfortable to you. You push that child out under your own steam and your own power via the vagina. And then you have skin-to-skin contact for as long as you blooming like. And not just for that hour. We've got to have an hour if an hour is good, then a week is good, isn't it? Yeah. Why would you ever need to dress the child? We live in Africa, for heaven's sake. <laughs> Most of the time it's warm. Yeah. yeah. And if I was clueless to all of that, then mm. there's plenty of other people that will also be clueless to that and see that there are differences. So when you were asking me then about the, the complications, mm. what were we asking? Well, I, I don't know what the... I mean, obviously some people choose to have a C-section. Other people are forced to because of whatever's going on. So it was just... Understandable. But isn't that what it's all about? And again, I won't mention that COVID word. Mm. But if we're looking at empowering people, this is the most powerful time in your life. And if you're going to grasp that nettle and take on your power... Then you need to be able to choose. Everybody yeah. has the right. In South Africa, you've got more choice available to you than anywhere else in the world. In the UK, you're not allowed to go and book yourself in to see an obstetrician. You can't just make an appointment to mm. see a specialist doctor. Yeah. You have to go through the channels. You can't just decide, well, uh, yeah, I, I've only got time for this day, cesarean section, spinal anesthetic, because people think that that's painless, which is just so funny. Yeah. Because how can it possibly pay, be painless? You're having major surgery. But if you choose to have major surgery for no good reason, that is your choice. And that's fabulous that you can choose that mm-hmm. and then run your life your way. Yeah. That would be nice if we were to able, able to go back to that standard. Yes, if you want to have a midwife-led unit, that's available in Hauteng. You can have a home birth in Hauteng. You can have an obstetric unit birth, high-tech birth if you want to. Um, It's all available, which is absolutely fantastic. In the UK, you're going to have a vaginal birth, and you're going to keep going like that (laughs) until there is no way that it's going to happen, and then we call in the cavalry. Okay. And what is the what is the medical limit of a midwife? Or would, yeah, a midwife because a doula doesn't Ooh, have the... Very nice. Good. So the medical limit of a midwife. A midwife is a specialist in normal pregnancy and normal birth. And she likes to think that she's also good at identifying when normal becomes complicated. And as soon as normal becomes complicated she hands you over to an obstetrician. Because if you are complicated, then you become a higher risk. And I don't want to say that we're not interested in people who are high risk, because some people who are high risk still want to come through and have the guidance of a midwife in the pregnancy and the care of a midwife postnatally and have their birth managed obstetrically um, and that's also your choice. So how does it work with medical aid? Because I know there's a whole bunch in South mm. Africa, but how 
how does it affect how do medical aid affect you and how does it work for the mother and well parents, sorry, again parents. very interesting question <laughs> so medical aid anybody who's got one knows it's a very complicated quagmire of challenges medical aids and I don't want to say anything bad about them whatsoever obviously <laughs> like they're the same thing other insurance <laughs> read the small print Everybody needs to have one, but, you know, you get lists of things that they don't cover. Also interesting in South Africa because if you have a medical aid, you are encouraged very strongly to have a medical model of birth because your medical aid is likely to pay for hospital stays. Mm. We know that. That's what they're about. And they will pay for surgery. So if you're going to have big bills, you want them covered by your medical aid. Mm. But you are punished for wanting anything natural because a medical aid is very seldom going to pay for your obstetric visits. And normally when you're seeing a midwife, you would have three obstetric visits because we work hand in glove with the obstetrician. So you would see your obstetrician possibly at the beginning of your pregnancy, you see them again at 28 weeks and you see them again at 36 weeks. And the rest of the time you're seeing your midwife. But your medical aid is going to pay a portion of your obstetric visits mm. and none of your midwifery visits at all. Maybe they will give you... A percentage or whatever, yeah. The percentage, yeah. though, is in some people's view insulting it's not demeaning it is insulting if you consider the um, qualifications of a midwife and particularly an independent midwife takes on the responsibility of two lives in her hands and uh, she needs to be able to identify complications and to refer and to work hand in hand with the obstetrician uh, and of course the paediatrician too. And um, of, and if we go back to the beginning where we talked about, you know, an obstetrician is likely to have 15 minutes for you in consultation. My booking consultations, because I have to go through the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical aspects of being pregnant, um, very often take four hours. And of that, the medical aid will give you Hundred rand. No. So even my, if a medical aid says yeah. that they cover for midwives, it's yeah. technically a hundred rand. Of well, a lot of them, some of them, for an extended consultation. Bless you. Thank you. Um, for an extended consultation, will pay four hundred rand. Um, and an extension, an extended consultation takes you forty-five minutes up to I think an hour. But then you still got to get through all the information: her medical history, her surgical history, her family history, the relationship she has with her mother. Mm. That's time-consuming stuff, and to me, it's very important that we have that foundation for each couple so that we can best guide you as the individual that you are to achieve your own goals. Mm. Everybody's goal is not the same, like you've said, Chad. There are those people who just want to pop in, have a baby. It's like when my clinic on a Wednesday morning, some people want to pop in, weigh the baby, and go. And other people want to stay for the duration, they're here from the start, got to clear them out at the end. And, you know, they want to have tea and they want to have reassurance. Mm. And everybody has to be seen with their own needs, on not Yeah. It sounds like the current South African medical model, medical aid model, kind of perpetuates the problem that South Africa has with the whole obstetric-focused um, birth. It's also interesting because if we're going the national health route, the government wants the midwives to take on more responsibility, to be available for more and more. Mm. 
in hospitals. A midwife can work anywhere. She can work in an obstetric unit. She can work in a um, in a midwifery unit. She can work in a rural clinic. She's a very useful person to have around. Um, so yes, on one hand, the government's going to want us to do more, but the medical aides don't want to pay. Yeah. You know what you will find, particularly if you have a complicated pregnancy and a complicated birth, then the medical aid is going to pay part of the surgery, not all of it, and then the midwifery side of it, who guided you through the 18 hours of labour until the complication arose, uh, you're going to have to pay for her, because that is just a luxury yeah. in some medical aid's mm. eyes. So but it's exactly the same in America. Yeah. So it almost like puts a fear of you not to go medically then. Yes, if you're going to count up your pennies, first of all, to think, what is our budget? Mm-hmm. What is it we want and how are we going to get it? Mm-hmm. Then it's a lot of responsibility for young people, particularly if you're looking long term. at So what is my maternity leave mm-hmm. and what can we afford to to do with one salary down yeah yeah but it's interesting as you say read the fine print because i mean we were looking at our so obviously we're not pregnant as yet and we've been working with sharon just in terms of pre-pregnancy questions um but we looked at our medical aid and just reading briefly that it says that you can have a home birth but now what you're saying is that I mean, if we had to go look at the fine print, wherever they hide the fine print, it would probably be, well, if there's if you're wanting to do home birth and there's and a complication, that yeah. is a you issue, not a me issue, like medically, medically speaking. And obviously we're not endorsing any <laughs> medical aids. <laughs> you know, all medical aids are fabulous if you have a disease. Yes. That's why you have a medical aid, isn't it? Yes. If you are driving along the road and a tree jumps out and hits your car, you're very grateful you've got a medical aid, you're going to go to a good hospital, they're going to make you walk straight again, yes. <laughs> uh, and hopefully without much pain. But if you um, are just a healthy person who manages to avoid the tree in the car, then you're just paying a lot of money every month. And as soon as the baby's out of your body, of course, your medical aid monthly contributions shoot up <laughs> and they get to reclaim everything that they you thought they gave you for your pregnancy and your birth. And did they know? In a couple of months, they've got it all back, haven't they? Mm. So true. It's a business so, so true. Yeah. yeah. I this one. So, I mean, this actually leads back. I was wanting to ask this earlier. But <laughs> what would be your, your vision then for how midwives can work together with the medical system in South Africa would be a, would it be more based on how like you're saying Europe works with midwives I would like to think so so also interesting because in how we have very few midwife led units mm. By itself, but why do we not have midwife-led units all over the country? Why isn't there a midwife-led unit in every corner of every town? Why are they they not in hospitals? Like you have to hire them now instead of them just being in hospitals. Yeah, and really, it comes out of the modern woman's demand for care. Mm. You know, a modern woman has been brainwashed into thinking that pregnancy has to be medically managed, that anything can go wrong at any moment because you watch that in the media. Mm. You know, you might think you're healthy at this moment, but you don't know what's happening in the next five minutes. Mm. And so with that in mind, she's always thinking that she needs to be medically managed. And... So women don't stand up for their rights. They don't demand. I want a a midwife and I want my medical aid to pay for it fully. A midwife is an awful lot cheaper than an obstetrician. If you have a birth, an uncomplicated pregnancy and birth, then you're seeing your obstetrician maximum three times in your pregnancy rather than 13. 
and you're seeing your midwife who's extremely reasonable <laughs> and if you're having a vaginal birth without complication then you're going to have a beautiful experience it's going to be a fraction of what a hospital birth would have cost you you're going to be either in the com comfort of your own home or in a midwife-led unit surrounded by midwives who are cheering you on with uh, everything that you're trying to achieve. And then you've got your midwife who is picking up the reins after the birth and seeing you through successfully breastfeeding. So that means we're keeping children out of hospitals because they've got a good immune system, they're eating well, got far fewer allergies and food sensitivities and all the other complications that not breastfeeding might lead to. Um, and so we've got a healthier generation. So why are medical aids not endorsing. supporting, endorsing, shouting out about how they support midwives? I have a question that I wanted to circle back to. We mentioned uh, cultural and religious. How does a midwife play in your rural areas culturally as well as spirit or religiously, re regardless of who you are, where you're from? So a midwife used to be called the wise woman in the village. Yeah. And so the midwife was the person in the village that the young people would go to not only for information on health and disease, but on all sorts of things. You need to read Terry Pratchett. Um, <clears throat> so how does she feature? She features in so many ways, from growing vegetables to advice on child rearing and general illness, childhood diseases, on promoting breastfeeding and good eating habits and... Um, education of young people, mm. empowering people. So in every walk of life, really, we need midwives. Mm. It's only since we have the medical model of childbirth that the midwife has been shrunken. And dissolved was, yeah. in many states in America. That also play out of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that would also play a part in religious aspects. I mean, you mentioned earlier that um, well, religion it, tried to kill us. Well, not just that. It's just like <laughs> I know that culturally, whether religiously, like it's it's known that you should trust your doctor, listen to your doctor. But then you're taking the religious aspect out of it, of actually just having, and God willing, you're, you're able to, or whatever religion, um, that you're able to have natural birth and that there's a deep connection to that spirituality inside you as well as around you when you're having birth. So going medically obviously cuts that out. And I think that's why I, I'd ask this question is because midwives bring you back to that, I think. They bring you back to, well, what do you want? What do you really want? Like what kind of spiritual experience do you want? And like culturally, if your your parents are saying to you, you should never do a midwife, trust the doctor, trust the doctor, they know best, that it almost takes it away. And I think that's why there's so many people in South Africa, especially that don't know about natural birth clinics. Or But I think also there are a lot of people in South Africa, particularly if we look at the rural areas, mm -hmm. who see the midwife, many of them are not medically trained. Yeah. You know, you've got a rural midwife who was just... Um, elected, if you, if you like, from yeah. a, a group of people. She had to figure it out as she went along. So th that's a different model of modern midwife. Um, and again, if you consider what is the difference, to me, the difference is that the midwife is there to empower not only the woman, but the family, and the medical model, and I don't mean doctors, but the medical model mm. is there to channel people. You're here, if we're looking at money only, the medical model is if we get the artificial oxytocin up as quickly as possible, then we have control of these contractions. We can make them as frequent and as powerful as we deem them necessary. 
that means you are going to need an epidural because now you're dealing with man-made contractions, not natural contractions. Man-made contractions means you don't produce endorphins with man-made contractions and synthetic oxytocin. Therefore, you need man-made pain relief. And as a result, we can shorten the length of labor. If it means that we run into complications and you have to go to theater, then we've still got the next person in that same bed in the labor ward. Mm. And again, we can get three or four people in that same bed and have that bed paid for four times in a 24-hour period Mm. rather than one woman taking that 24-hour period to birth her baby in her own time. So channeling uniforms, processes, at this point we will do this and not seeing the person behind the need. Which is sad, it is sad, but like as important as doctors are for the medical stuff, it's just it's sad that the that it's rushed rather than a journey. But that's the medical aid, isn't mm. it? That's the responsibility of the medical aid. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just following a, a business it's not model that wants to rush it. Yeah, it's following a model that's been that way and kind of perpetuates itself um, by the sounds of it. And, I mean, we've, we know doctors... Think of how briefly we've had that model. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> the medical model. Your grandmothers had their babies at home. Mm. Yeah. It's a flash in the pan as far as the history of humanity. Everybody, since your grandmothers, back to Adam and Eve, had their babies at home mm. with midwives. So it's your mother's generation mm. that, that went into hospitals. Yeah. They expected to have vaginal births but they expected to be directed mm. and it's this generation that is surprised if they have a vaginal birth. Yeah. And that's how quickly we've turned it into something entirely different. Yeah. One of our future sort of interviews is going to be with my grand who's actually had seven children um, and so all natural. So it's just to get her perspective on how she's experience things to know how things are now. Yeah. And I hope she remembers. <laughs> but the power of the media, though, she will also be indoctrinated into mm. believing that that was the dark and distant yeah. bad days. Now things are and so now you can just go into a lovely, clean, sterilized environment. Yeah. See, in days gone by, we expected to be born and to die at home. And that's when we had a strong connection with humanity. And it was humane to die with your loved ones around the bed at home. You were born at home and you died at home. It was your family who would lay you out. Now if we look at those two extremes and what we've done to death as well through the medical model. It's very sad. You're 100% right because we've got friends that have actually said to us, come and sit at a wake where their grand passed away and that was completely foreign to us. It was almost too scary for us to do it. And it, and it takes away the beauty mm. of every journey, every process. And I think you're right, you're 100% right. But there is, again, um, uh, a re- there is a, a need for medical, but there's also... It'd be great if we could just find a way to actually reconnect and reconnect with humanity, I suppose. So, But we have to want to connect with ourselves first, don't we? Yes. And again, we're frightened to do that, mm. to see our limitations and our fears and to start to unpack for ourselves, where does my courage come from? What do I need courage to face? Mm. What is this animal that is childbirth? Am I big enough, courageous enough, strong enough, determined enough to take it on? And then you have to stop and ask yourself, well, my mother did it. Is she better than me? Is she bigger than me? Was she something different to me? I don't think so. So am I going to join that club of child-bearing women? Yes. Join the Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've actually answered this one um, in all this, but where does your passion come from in, like, that, that brought you into this line of calling? 
rather and uh, what continues your your passion in this oh that's interesting so i started off in oncology which is seeing people out of the world and again it was a very long time ago and our focus was on seeing people out of the world gently and with dignity and uh, doing it for many years you tend to start to believe that the whole world is dying <laughs> then i have to look at something else um, my um, mother always brought me up with the beautiful stories of her births and having babies at home and it was always my intention to leave the dying and uh, focus on the birthing and uh, yeah and that's what keeps you yes because you see these children look at some of these pictures these children that arrive it's not a blob of tissue that is arriving it's a vibrant human being some of those photographs are just amazing at how a person can emerge from your body as a full person not as a potential for being a person but a whole person that's fought their way into the world yeah it's just miraculous isn't it and also when you can see these women who have birthed and you see them smiling giving birth done it smile on their face baby in their arms glowing with humanity and with health rather than looking like roadkill you know we have the drugs we have the inductions we have the augmentations we have the epidurals they look shocking afterwards is it better i don't think so and a woman looks back and realizes that she climbed that mountain she was frightened she was tired she was vomiting halfway up she was hungry somebody was shoving food down her she's kept going and she planted that flag on the top and when the two of you are standing there holding hands looking out of the view you think my god what we did we have so few occasions that we can stop and think those thoughts in this modern world and you know again your generation you're so weird because you go <laughs> white water rafting for fun and you jump out of airplanes for a laugh and you jump <laughs> off bungee jumping we never did that for a laugh to see what am i capable of doing we didn't do these boot camps for for exercise and yoga workshops for weekends and stand on your head for six hours we never did stuff like that but we weren't afraid of the physical aspect of giving birth mm. you do these things for jollies and then you're afraid of birth and it is the most amazing adventure that you could ever go on it's better than blooming lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> you know you can participate in that yeah but we just want to run away from it as fast as we can why that's part of the message that we are hoping to pass on yeah. pass on to people that this is a, a journey that doesn't need to be the way that the tv shows us and uh, it can be more connected and more aligned and guided instead yeah. of just a factory in and out sausage sort of mm. thing you know if you choose yeah. to because yeah. there's some people that might choose to yeah so sharon if you had to have a billboard out there in the world um for women who are either wanting to be pregnant or who are wanting who are pregnant what would that billboard be or what would that message be for that mom mom to be or mom well everybody's billboard is going to be different isn't it mm -hmm. you'd have to look at that little girl and see how did she grow up and then you'd have to look at that relationship that she has with that man mm -hmm. to see what does she want now what decisions has she made along her life's journey so far? Mm -hmm. What is she hoping to achieve from her life's journey? What does she want to teach her, her daughter, particularly the mother-daughter relationship being such an important one, that I hope that she would want to teach her daughter about the beauty and power of her body and how fantastically powerful she can be and how she can grow 
human being inside her body and give birth to that human being and breastfeed that human being and grow up that human being and be an integral part of that child's life. That's what being a mother is all about. And yet we reduce it. Even in this modern world where we shout about equality, we reduce it to something that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a mother. Oh, you're a stay-at-home mother. Oh, I'm a working woman. It's, yeah. Yeah, we talk about choice. Mm -hmm. Why do we not brag that I am directing the next generation of human beings? Imagine if men could give birth to babies. Imagine if a man were pregnant. We'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> if a man so could true. give birth, for heaven's sake, it would be the most powerful thing in the world, wouldn't it? But, you know, it's something that women do. That's yeah. a beautiful message. It yeah. is. Thank you, Sharon. That is the last question that we had for you. I do want to just stop this. Is there though. anything else that you... Feel like we haven't covered. Oh yeah, you know, I sort of answer questions like a butterfly. Start something and then I wander down the blooming path of something else entirely. I don't know if we even answered any questions. No, you did. <laughs> I think this is this has been hugely enlightening for me. Um, so I know there's a lot more me's out there mm. that would get. Because men same. have to think, how do they feature in the family? Yeah. There's so many of your generation who think, well, you know, she wanted a baby, so I gave her a baby. Yeah. And now she gets to play with the baby. Yeah. Like, what does she want me for? The you know, pregnancy I, is the wife's journey. Yeah. I mm. gave her what she wanted. <laughs> now I'm back to my old life. Yeah. You know, but if you're not going to feature in your family, then what are you? You're just a lodger in your own house. Thanks for sticking around uh, till now. Uh, we hope you got uh, a lot of information out of that as much as we did. And uh, some takeaway messages is just to ask yourself some more questions on what you want your birth to look like, your whole journey. And you can put it down in a mind map. That's a great way to map out the whole process and the way you think about this and what you want um, throughout the whole journey. Future episodes, we'll talk a bit more about that. Um, sorry again about the sound. Uh, future episodes will be better, uh, we promise. And then um, just a little bit of engagement. Maybe post a picture of you and your baby, whether they're young or old or brand new, um, and tag on board and sharing. Thanks so much. Bye.